so many Colombians be like, oh, well, your place isn't really Colombian. Or your place isn't really this. I'm like, cool, but guess what? It says it's Colombian, and we're exposing our culture to a whole nother to a audience. whole new audience. Like, you can either join the vibes, yeah. or you can continue to critique them and stay where you are. Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo, what's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quintuera's podcast brought to you by Plural. As a quick reminder, on this show, our mission is to redefine professionalism. Turns out that most of y'all are faking it at work. So in each episode, we try to provide you with a representation of people thriving at work while being their most authentic self. Each week, we have a different guest join us for a very candid conversation around the conflict that they've experienced between professionalism and authenticity. Speaking of guests, this week, our special guest is Carlos Santos. Before getting into the full conversation, let me give you a quick little bio so that you have more context going into it. Carlos is a Colombian-born business owner who's been featured on Vice, The New York Times, Univision, and New York 30 Under 30. His story is rooted in the struggle of being an immigrant. These days, Carlos is focused on growing his Manhattan-based business, Nada's short for empanadas and he's focused on growing it into a multifaceted hispanic food brand built on their signature gluten-free colombian rainbow empanadas you've probably seen them all over social media that said for those of y'all that watch this on youtube i just want to give my deepest and sincerest apologies we tried to record the episode and for the second week in a row we had camera issues it literally recorded for the first 15 minutes and then just stopped recording we're trying to fix it so that the next episode we have both the video and the audio with that context and you know who our guest is let's get into the episode all right so let's kick it off with the word authenticity yeah it's a buzzword people say it all the time but we really stop to think about what does it actually mean mm. so to you when you hear the word like what does it mean yeah man i think authenticity is interesting because i think a lot of times we're like I want to be authentic, my authentic self all the time in all the places, all the spaces. Yeah. Uh, what I think is interesting, though, is that we don't give ourselves credit for knowing that uh, we as people are parts. And some of our parts are not in the same place or space or age as other parts of our lives. So the way that like, I react in a work setting to the way that I react in relationships to the way that I react with my parents, all those things are different parts of who we are. right? Mm. And so a lot of times I think man, I want to be the same dude all the time, but it's impossible, right? I, I think that we sometimes go so hardline on, like, boy, I said, Joel, like, I find out, like, I am who I am. Who cares yeah, who what cares? people think, or, all that or kind even of stuff. Like, yeah, or whatever sentence that's in. But, like, the way that I talk to you is going to be so much different than the way that I talk to my mother, right? Mm. The way that I've developed in my professional life, is so much different maybe than what I've developed in my emotional life, Yeah. right? So I think that we, when we think about authenticity, it's more about, I think, knowing and being aware of where we are, certain parts of ourselves are. Mm -hmm. But hey, man, I mean, I'm just trying to have fun. That's it, yeah, yeah. in all those things. But it's interesting, though, figuring out what those different versions of yourself are. And I think early on, our families have such a big impact yeah. on that. Like, what do you think are some early versions of yourself that your family was like, oh, I don't think you should, you know. Ooh, bro, you know what's interesting? I grew up, I grew up pretty Christian. Okay. And I only bring that up because... Saying, by the way, Catholic yeah. school my entire life. <laughs> bro. Like, all the way through high school. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen a little corito right now, bro. I got you. <laughs> no, no. But, bro, what's interesting is, I think I grew up a lot of times being told 
like not fully embracing receiving praise. Interesting. And I say that because like I was always told that hey, humility is one of the best traits you can have. Oh. And I think in my younger career, and even now I struggle with it, like receiving compliments, receiving people's words of affirmation or any type of credit, yeah. I always try to push it away, right? Like I'll, I'll always be like, oh no, it's not me, it's a team. Or I'll, I'll say all these things where I almost feel guilty that, you know, we're receiving some type of admiration or some kind of pride or whatever it could be yeah. or accolade. I, I think that I've always kind of turned that away and said, well, I can always work harder because I haven't, I'm not where I should be. I'm not this, I'm not that. And so yeah. that was something that I think I grew up with pretty evidently um, until now in my adult life. What do you think that is? Is it this, like just not wanting to, like the attention to be on you? Like, I'm just wondering like, where did that come from? Yeah, man. Something I'm working through with my therapist. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But we, we talk a lot about it, the mentality of always being, having the ability and the desire to outwork people. Mm. I think that's always been one of the things that when it comes to, you know, receiving and, and, and getting whatever positive affirmations all those things are, yeah. I'm always like, yeah, that's great, cool, but like, we could do this better, or we can be better here, or we can be better there, or I can work here, or we're yeah. not quite where we are yet. And so it's this cycle of being like, great, thank you. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, like, there's somebody that's working harder than I am, mm -hmm. there's somebody that's doing more than I'm doing. I know exactly, I know, now I know what you're talking about, because now I'm seeing myself in you, because yeah. I struggle with receiving compliments because I'm always thinking like, all right, yeah, but what's next? Yeah. It's like, I receive it for like a millisecond, yeah. My mind's always thinking of like, but I'm not finished yet. Sure. Yeah, yeah bro. It's that ambition. It's, it, and yeah. I think that there is... But that, that, the ambition doesn't let me celebrate most times. Yeah. Like it's a gift and a curse, you know what I mean? Yeah, man. It's, I've, been, I've actually been talking about this a lot recently with like friends and my girl and like all the things, but it's so interesting because I'm trying to think about it in the sense of coming here, immigrant, not having anything, sleeping on floors and doing all that stuff. Yeah. I think that those are the moments that I should look at that will bring gratification to the moments that I'm in, yeah. rather than trying to look so forward. Yeah. A, because I think as creators, as people, wherever we are, it doesn't matter, right? I think that we, we need to sometimes take inventory of, of how far we've come yeah. compared to all the different scenarios and all the different things that probably were working against us, <laughs> yeah. right? And I think that's something that I've been trying to do more of because it is beautiful to be ambitious. Yeah. I think it's beautiful to be, be ambitious. I think it's beautiful to be a hard worker. I think it's beautiful to have the ability to, to innately create. Mm -hmm. But in all those things, we need to find pockets of rest, Yeah. right? Because in that rest, that's where you can evaluate, oh, crap, like this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is yeah. what I have. have the, the pleasure of looking forward to, but in that rest, you kind of get to to reap a little bit of those fruits, which I think is nice. Yeah, it's this, it's this challenge because the ambition is what allows me to even have the opportunity to celebrate. Yeah. Like, without the ambition, like, what, what, what am I celebrating? I mean, yeah. sure, there's like the, yeah, I'm alive and I'm lucky to be here, all that kind of shit, but like, I'm celebrating all the shit that I accomplished because of the ambition. Yeah. But you alluded to something that, that I think is getting into why you are ambitious, mm. right? And it's probably like where you came from, where your family came from. You alluded to like, I think you said like sleeping on floors. Yeah, yeah. Like tell me about 
growing up and, and your family dynamic? Like, what was that like? Yeah, man. So I came to the States in 1999 or 2000. I was young. Oh, wow. From where? From Colombia. So my mom's single mom. Love Colombia, by the way. Hey. I've only been to Medellin, but I got to go to Barranquilla, Cali, Bogota. Yeah, you do oh, there's so many cities in there. Yeah, yeah. Born, yeah, bro. It's great. I was born in Bogota. Uh, awesome. I, I prefer Medellin, though, because uh, it's, it's just more fun. <laughs> it's a younger city, bro. It's more fun. Uh, well, that's the capital, right? Bogota? Bogota's the Bogota, capital. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Bogota, Bogota you, got, you got some people that, that are a little stuck up, but it's, <laughs> it's, still, it's still a fun place nonetheless. Okay. No, bro. I, uh, so I, we came to the States uh, when I was young. My mom was a single mom. I was only kid. Mm. She had basically left everything back in Colombia to kind of try to start new. There, there were some tensions out there. And if Colombia in, yeah. in the 90s, all that stuff probably wasn't yeah. the best vibe. So yeah. uh, now she decided to come over, man. And I grew up doing, I always joked that I was the youngest uh, CVO, which is a chief vacuuming officer. <laughs> Because I used to go with her and clean houses and vacuum yeah, yeah, yeah. all the houses and clean the bathrooms. I just remember having not having a lot, but my mom always made it enough. Mm-hmm. And so she always was super ambitious. She, my, I come. She's one of ten. Every one of yeah, every one of the ten of my uncles and aunts have owned a business, have run wow. so super entrepreneurial family. She had business in Colombia before she came over to the state, and so her goal was always to open a cafe, it was like her dream to do that. And so she cleaned houses, she nannied, she did all the stuff. Uh, and then- My grandma did the same, by the way. I yeah. used to go with her to those like work trips, I guess you call it. I wasn't a chief vacuuming officer, but I would just sit and observe, just yeah, watching yeah. her kind of do that, but yeah. Yeah, bro, it's interesting. It's interesting growing up doing that. And we were, even when she finally was able to open her first restaurant, which she still has, now it's 16 years or something. It's, it's won everything, man. Best of Westchester, New York Times rated. It's got, I think, over 700 reviews on all the customer yeah, platforms. And it's like 4.8 stars. I mean, crushes it. I, I, I helped, I joined her when I was younger and kind of helped ride the ship a little. But yeah, man, I saw her working hard. I recently, uh, talking, speaking a little bit about the receiving People always say like, oh man, it's such a gift that you're so well-spoken or you, it's a, you're so naturally gifted with people or oh my God, you're so naturally creative or all this stuff. Yeah. And <laughs> in conversation with my therapist, I go, I never want to say I am because it's not like I was just born with those things. And I was just really good at it. Like I, I would not consider myself a creative. Mm-hmm. I considered myself resourceful in the sense that when my mom opened her business, her English wasn't strong. So who was sitting down there with legal documents and with the landowner at 13 years old, yeah. I was, right? Yeah. Who was doing all the Illustrator and all the Adobe and the Photoshop and the, and the web page and the, all the things. For, your, was, for your mom's For my mom's original business, yeah. That's wild. It's, As she was growing, so were you. Yeah. But like, it, you were vacuuming and then, you yeah, know what bro, I mean? Like, yeah. But you also, like, it was like, she was, I mean, like, she barely had enough, she didn't have enough money to open that restaurant. By the time that, we were, that she was supposed to open, people from our church were just coming and doing stuff for free. Cause they yeah. were like, we just need you to open, yeah, right? Uh, but I said all to say like, I don't think, I think that sometimes that underline of hard work yeah. has always undermined the ability for me to be like, oh no, yeah, like I'm just good at this. Because I always say, yeah, I'm good at it, but there's a reason. Mm. Like it wasn't like I was born, like I, when I got there, I know how to speak English. 
Shit, I got teased merciless, mercilessly in the third grade because I was the only Latino at my school, and my English was so broken. What would people say? I mean, I, I, I mean, it's just kids yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's you just know? kids. It's just kids stuff, bro. But like, I think they would try to talk to me, and then I would have no idea what was going on. So mm. they just say some shit and then laugh and run away. Like I, could, I couldn't even tell you what they were saying. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I was just like, heard, got yeah. it. Yeah. But even learning English, my whole goal was I want to speak English so much better than mm. any American. So then that way, if you spoke to me on the phone, you wouldn't know that I wasn't native. When I was building web pages and doing all that stuff and designing menus and thinking about the design of a space, all that, like I was like, I just wanna, we don't have any money, but I don't want you to know that we don't have money. Mm. So I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do this. The, I'm gonna find every cheat code, loophole, like web three, like I was like, I will figure out anything to make sure that you think that this is like the top kind of Latin place that you can go to. And I think all that really shaped, again, like what we do now, but also the ability to feel like nothing is hard work. Yeah. Like everything in my life has always felt like you work hard, you get it. And the things that aren't hard for me, I'm like, this is weird. Yeah. What about, did, did your mom receive compliments? Now she does all oh, that woman. I will say in the past, and I, I'll, I'll credit my mom a lot, in the past like three, four years, she has grown. I actually tip my hat to her because you don't see many people in their 50s say, I probably did a lot of things wrong and I actually want to become or evolve as a person. I think like my mom and I's relationship was so weird and dynamic while I was young because I felt like, again, grew up really Christian. So I grew up, one, of, one part of me was like, I have to be this perfect Christian child. And then the other part of me was like, really great football, really good, like went to school scholarship, like, but that part of me was like, I need to party. I need to go hard. <laughs> so it was this weird duality of like, well, who are you going to be? Yeah. Right? And I think a lot of that was, I was afraid to let my mom down. I was afraid to let like the church down. I was afraid of doing all these things. But ultimately, now that I am older and we've gone through, like I got into a ton of trouble when I was young. We got to a point in our relationship where I was like, well, this is who I am. Yeah. And even my relationship with faith and all that evolved where I was just like, it doesn't really matter what I do. Right, right. Like, it, it does, right? Because everything has a consequence. Sure. But none of my achievements are going to be, are going to define what I do. Right, right. Like, I can't get Mistakes God. Mistakes or the achievements. Yeah, right, right. I can't get God. I can't get my mom. I can't get people to love me more. Right. Because of my achievements. They're just either going to love me because I am who I am and because I'm beloved first by my creator and then everything else follows. Right. Or, like, the people that are only behind the achievements, they're just going to come and go. Yeah. What, what was the version of that, like, ideal religious figure that you were trying to live up to? Yeah, bro. I mean, like, it was a dude that, like, didn't get in trouble, went to church every Sunday. Yeah. Like, yeah. didn't really, like, for honestly, for lack of better, like, I wasn't, like, talking in my, in those people's eyes, like, I didn't mess up. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. I got home on, like, like all the stereotypical kind of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. really kind of traditional values, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say. But, yeah, it's interesting to see it now because even in the shift in the relation with my mom, it's seeing all the things that uh, were just traditions but weren't really, like, the core of what our beliefs are. Mm -hmm. All those things faded away. Right, right. So all the traditions, all like these extra things faded away and it was really more about the relationship that we had. But also it was the maturity that I had developed in my faith in the way that I saw things. Because I think it's all identity based. When your identity is just based on this like 
super traditional, super kind of super like old school, old school yeah. mind of, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, uh-huh. but, but when it's, it's just based on what you can do mm-hmm. and how you can behave rather than being based on, hey, there's a reason and there's somebody that will love you regardless of what you do. Yeah. It shifts kind of the way that you as a person can act because it's not achievement based. I get that. And, and I'm curious, right? Because like, it's a lot of pressure to, to live up to these standards that society has created for us. You started to rebel at some point, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if rebel is the right word, but you started to get in trouble. Like, what would you get in trouble for? Yeah, bro. My, my relationship with alcohol has been really interesting. Mm. I, even the first time that I drank, I got stopped. Like, I was gone. Like, the first time you The was... first time, bro. A couple Four Locos and. Oh, that was like the, the first time you got like, Four Locos? Yeah, bro. Couple four locos, a couple Michelob. A couple four locos? Yeah, bro. Yo, one of those. Okay. Think about it. It was like the first time I ever drank, so I didn't know. I was just putting those things on back like soda, bro. So it went. It went from that to even in college. Like, you 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 go to college, you think you have all this freedom. Yeah, yeah. And then you just kind of want to keep up. At least in my mind, I just wanted to keep up with everybody else. Sure. So it, it was a lot of things were really first or happened or were the main cause or the main like catalyst was alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then I just do dumb stuff. Right. So that got me in trouble in college quite a bit. And then even as like a, I mean, when I turned 21, yeah, still same thing, just going out, drinking fights, this, that, yeah. blacking out. Bro. Yeah, no, bro. Those, those are, yeah, no, I would not recommend and the, all the old ones, the new ones, I don't know whether they're that hard or not, but the ones when yeah, you're yeah. young, bro, yeah, the those original ones were like freaking jet fuel and yeah. alcohol mixed together, bro. It I mean, so I get how it will lead to doing dumb shit, yeah. but in that time, right, like you, you're figuring yourself out, you're trying yeah. new things, right? You're, you have so much freedom, right? Yeah. And like college is that, and then college is also trying to figure out what you want to do career-wise too. Yeah. I'm wondering like at that point, what were you thinking about? Like what I wanted to do? Yeah, bro. It, again, this it, it was this interesting little like dynamic in between. Like, this is I, at that point I was studying political science and theology. Interesting. So that's I, not what I would have guessed. Yeah, no. I that's what I went to school to study. I went in because I wanted to either be a pastor. Really? Yeah, bro. Or I wanted to be. I don't know what the. I just really liked politics, and I love talking about politics. I love the like just the dynamic of people and the structures and how certain things work and like we could talk for hours about yeah, like yeah. anything from development to relocation to the way that yeah I love politics um but that's what I went to school for uh-huh. but I was also on a football scholarship so like I was there to play ball so um yeah it was it was interesting I don't think I I was not a I was not a big believer in school mm. I thought school was a really poor investment but since I wasn't paying for it I didn't really care. Why did you think it was a bad investment? I just looked at it as there's nothing I'm going to learn here. <laughs> I know this is now, and I actually stick by this comment pretty strongly now that I do what I do. I'll say it from now. There's yeah. nothing that I learned in college and maybe I wasn't as about the stu- studious part of it. There's nothing I learned in college now that has really helped me in what I do. As, building, as being a business owner, I talk to guys that go to MBAs and all that. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because I'm like, what you guys learn is the technique, right? Like a baseball player can learn every ability to try to swing a ball, but until he throws a 96 a 90, yeah. seam ball, 
right down the middle, you're going to figure out whether you can hit it or not. Facts. Right? And that's what I think sometimes college compared to practical things were. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, like I, I, at that point, I had been helping my mom run a business and doing all those things before I went to college anyway. Right. Um, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I knew that at that moment I didn't want to do hospitality. I don't want to do anything food because like I saw how my mom was doing it. I saw her struggle at times because it wasn't successful early on. It wasn't successful until like the last seven, six, seven years. But so I knew I didn't want to do anything like that. I did political science. I did theology. And then I transferred schools, got into finance. And that's what I ended up. What, how did you? Money, man. Yeah, but why? Did, why? Like at what point were you just like, I'm going into finance? Money and the, uh, like, the classes that were available. <laughs> so I went from one school that like. So at one point you theology. looked at like polit- political science yeah. and theology, and you were like, "What am I gonna get after school?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just did the math, and you were like, "This isn't the lifestyle that yeah, I want." Yeah, this you is the like- lifestyle that I want. Uh, I heard some guy once say, "If you want to make money, you have to work with money," and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." And I said the same thing, by the way. Yeah. Like the only reason I went into school and studied economics was because I wanted to go into finance. Why? Yeah. Because that's what I thought was the only way to make money. Yeah. So I did the same thing. So it was interesting, but. And um, we also see our family struggle in yeah. certain ways. And we're yeah. just like, I don't want to live that life. Bro. I want to live in the fancy buildings and all this, whatever it yep. is. It, it was very much that. It was very much seeing uh, my mom's struggles and seeing some of that stuff. Yeah. Where I was like, I'm good. I don't want to worry about this. Like, I don't want to worry about, bro, I don't know, this was, I don't know, 2000 and, let's say 13, 12, 13, there was a huge snowstorm in New York. Okay. There was a huge snowstorm. And I remember that it shut down, like the town that we are in, like shut it down for like a couple days. I remember going to my mom, with my mom to the restaurant while it was shut down, power was out, everything. And I remember her literally getting on her knees and crying, bro. And just begging God to get her through that time. And I remember being, I remember that being such a, that and one time my mom was, cleaning a house and it was a very similar moment where I walked in and I would think that she realized that I was there. Like she was literally on her hands and knees just praying that I would have a better future. Wow. And those two moments were so defining for me because I was like, I don't at all want to do what she's doing. Yeah. And so that was the main motivating factor for me to go and want to do finance or want to be in the corporate world. Yeah. And once I was in it, I absolutely hated it. I was going to say, let's get into that. Like you're, first of all, your first corporate job how did you look? How did you present yourself? Oh, How'd bro, you show up? suit. Man, I, I actually used to love dressing. There's dressing nothing up. wrong with that. I There's... used to love, bro, getting into suits. I don't anymore. But... Some people feel, I mean, it's just yeah, like, yeah. you know, people people wear suits and they feel powerful. That, that's a good feeling. Yeah, bro. Not everyone feels like that, though. Yeah, nah, yeah. Suit, suit and tie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, going to the office, used to work not far from here, my first my first gig. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, did, you, did you have a beard? Did you have longer hair? No, nah, man. Uh, I, had, uh, I had like the the general little quaff and clean shave and then yeah. I looked bro if I don't have a beard I look like I'm 14 so, <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't even remember what my chin looks like yeah. I have no idea <laughs> I'm dead yeah bro so it was very much that very much what everybody else was obviously try to have some type of cool tie or sure, something, sure. something yeah, to yeah, kind yeah. of stand out a little bit but uh, yeah it was a it was such a different environment man where it seemed like everybody was out there for themselves without a doubt no one's there seemed all anybody really cared about was about having a good time here in the city being young like partying yeah Yeah. and then also climbing the corporate ladder as fast as you could 
Those were like the two main things that I really saw very quickly in, in finance at the smaller firm that I was working at. And I was like, this is not what I want. So the camaraderie that was there wasn't like, let's work together to yeah, all no, thing. No. The camaraderie was just like the celebration parties probably, and, probably yeah, afterwards. Yeah, probably, yeah, probably the post, the, the post office happy hours, all that. Sure, sure. Uh, but it was really like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go as fast as I can, as high as I can, yeah. as quick as I can. Uh, were, so I, were you motivated by that? Parts of me were, because I think being somebody that obviously grew up playing sports and all that, you're super competitive. Yeah. But also part of me was just like, I don't want to work in an environment where I know people are just going to undercut me mm-hmm. if they have the chance to succeed. If, it's gonna, if my success is going to impede their success, it, it, it's not even going to be a question that they'll undercut me. So that kind of culture was something I didn't want to be a part of. I think obviously growing up in a community like a church community and growing up, people, I will say that they were so amazing. That's an interesting comparison. They were, church? Yeah, well, this is the only reason I'm saying this because they were so generous yeah. and so giving. Yeah. Right? Like, I can think of, of some of the, the moments that my mom and I were most in need. Yeah. The people, and I think that this is what actually, when, even the moments where I didn't want to have faith or I want to leave or I thought that I was better than my faith in God. What really actually kept me close was that the people around us were so generous. Like, I can think of times that my mom's pastors were like, hey, we believe in you. And it, it may have not been, and it, now look on it, it may not be a lot. They're like, hey, here's 500 bucks for this. Oh, yeah. Or people be like, hey, we know that you guys have this need. Let's fill this need. Yeah. And that, to me, that level of generosity and that level of, like, of community was something yeah. that I... Yeah. I always wanted and has been even now in my life like I'm very much playing at the church I go to yeah. but more than that like gener- generosity is actually something that is baked into us as a business model yeah. like we reserve 5% of all our sales for initiatives that we have mm-hmm. right so I think That's stuff beautiful. like that bro was what uh, even though maybe my faith wasn't strong or I didn't have my own core beliefs yeah. and what I thought about God or salvation and all this different stuff, yeah. those things were always kept me kind of close. And obviously my mom was always a faithful woman, so like yeah. always seeing her faith was cool. But it's an interesting comparison of, and I don't know if like organizational culture is the right word, yeah. but like churches and organization, their culture is so, it feels like a family. Yeah, It feels like everybody... Yeah, is sure. there to help each other out and yeah, all those yeah. kind of things. Not all churches feel like that, no, but no, yeah. for the most part, like I don't go to church, but my grandma does, and anytime I go with her, that's what it feels like. Everyone knows each other, yeah. intimate details and personal, like everyone's involved in each other's lives. Yeah. And then you go to this sort of like work organizational culture, and I could see why it feels a little bit uncomfortable because it's so different than what you're accustomed a organization to look like yeah, in yeah. some ways. And, I don't and know I, if I'm using the right word. No, no, bro. I mean, it's fine. I mean, that makes perfect sense. I also think, bro, growing up, like, I was working at the restaurant. Like, I've always, that's the thing. I always worked. Yeah. So I was working at the restaurant young, and, like, that's a whole different vibe, right? Like, customers, people, no one's, like, really coming out, out for you. And I just think, like, the corporate structure to me was just so different. Yeah. Right? It wasn't something that I was taught. It's not like my dad and like yeah. or my mom yeah. or like we're like we're career people yeah, yeah. right it's not like and i think in our culture like for the most part like we don't have a lot of career people mm. we don't have nine to five like it's very much like obviously not speaking on all the cultura as a whole but 
when you hear most of the stories, it's like my mom was this and she worked hard and, yeah. and made the moves and dad was working as this and the hours weren't normal, but like sure, we made sure. it work. Mostly here in New York, like I think that we also just don't have sometimes the example of like that nine to five sure. pops. And, and even my mom, she had a nine to five, but my first job out of college, I started out earning her. My yeah. first job. Yeah. So even if they do have a nine to five, it may not be at the level of our even our first corporate job. So yeah. even the advice that they start to give us, like it starts to become outdated. Yeah. And then we yeah. could we stop being able to even like bond on that level on even like work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's actually I no yeah I think I heard you say this. It's like their it's like their wisdom only has a ceiling. Yeah. Right. Like I think like their the insight that they can give us it's like so sometimes entry mm. when it comes to that corporate structure. Yeah, when it comes to career, well, sure, they've yeah. lived a whole life. Yeah, man. I they mean, can talk take, about love and life yeah, and a whole I'll bunch take, of other I'll stuff. I'll take their advice on, but I thought that was interesting because I tell my mom some scenarios, and I, I think that the one thing that we fall into also a lot of times as immigrants or as this, it's like, oh, well, like, suck it up because this is, like, why I, yeah. this is why I came here. Yeah. And so you could be here. Mm -hmm. And so, like, now that you have the corporate job, like, do what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, don't let that shit go. Yeah. Work as hard as you can to climb that shit. That yeah, everyone... yeah, yeah. I will say my mom never put that pressure on me. I think that she obviously questions some of my decisions probably. Like what? Like when I left my corporate job. <laughs> Talking <laughs> like, about the thing that she didn't want yeah, you to yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> like really early, I was like, hey, I'm not going to, I don't, I, but I, I was always very, really very honest on that end. I was like, I don't like this job. I don't want to do this. It's not fulfilling. Were you scared to tell her those things? Work stuff wise, I think not really. Because I think that in her mind, I was still just going to figure it out. Mm. That's also the one thing, bro. Like, she, I think that she knew that she had raised a man that knew how to work hard. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think that she knew that I would always figure it out. Yeah. Even, like, just for the timeline sake, like, I quit that job, started bartending. Like, that's what I did. Interesting. I was, I was just like, well, I had to pay bills. So I had yeah. a buddy who was a bartender. Oh, so you didn't quit that job with like, oh, I got another job lined nah, up. Bro. I was like, you were so fed up bro, that you were just three like. Three weeks in, I was like, I, oh, three weeks bro, in. Bro, I got that job. I, had, I hadn't finished school yet. You didn't even set up your email. Like, what? Nah, bro. <laughs> I, bro, I, I, I got that job. I think after the first few days that I was there, I was just like, this is not at all wow. what I want for my life. Wow. I didn't, and that's the thing, I didn't fully know what I wanted. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, I knew some things to be true. I knew that when I was older, I didn't want to work for somebody. I always thought, and this is probably a cocky 21-year-old thing to think, but I was like... <laughs> it's a cocky age. Bro, but I, I genuinely thought, and it, 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 that informed my decision to go and end up working with my mom at the restaurant, was if somebody thinks, somebody's going to pay me X amount of dollars to do something, that, th that means that they think that I have the ability to do that. And if they think that I have the ability to do that, I shouldn't be working for somebody because I have the ability, I can go do it myself. And so, yeah, it was really weird. I also had like this weird like authority, like I didn't like to like really listen to people because if, if their decisions seemed really dumb or were like wise or were like very comfortable or very complacent, like it, you lost my respect really quickly. And so I just didn't want to work for you. So that's like, I learned obviously so many lessons that I needed to humble myself and figure some shit out. 
as I grew up and failed and whatever. Sure. But yeah, bro, so I quit my job. I had a buddy that was bartending at an events company. He was like, yo, come work at this events company. At that time, you're 21. I think the starting rate was like 30 bucks an hour. Mm -hmm. So you get to go to a ton of parties, work, drink. And that was what my life was for like three or four years. It was just doing that, going to all these events. Like we did events towards the later end. Like you start doing super private events. I remember... I didn't send any, so I'd say whatever I want. <laughs> uh, bro, I, bro, I remember, bro, we did one with uh, this really wealthy billionaire family called, their last name were the Blacks. His name is Carl Black, the guy. And it was him, the Icons, Damn. a couple other conservative, uh, one of the Murdochs was there. It was like all these conservative people. And this was when Trump was first starting to kind of gain power yeah. or gain like some traction. Yeah. And it was like 12 of them at their Upper East Side, gorgeous apartment. And it was them trying to convince Paul Ryan, who used to be the Speaker of the House out of Wisconsin, they were trying to convince, convince him to run for president, so that Trump wouldn't gain traction in the in, in the in the in the Republican Party. And uh, Paul Ryan said that he couldn't because his wife didn't want him to. You you were at some like yeah, powerful dinners, right? Yeah, man. We did some stuff like we. The, yeah, people tell you that work in those in that event field like. You go and you're just like, you're obviously there for serving. Yeah. Like we were there solely to serve, but you're just there in the room and you hear some crazy stuff, bro. I've seen some famous people lit off their asses. I've seen some people doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> like, bro, like there are some places that you go and I mean, like it's obviously open knowledge, but you like it's NDAs, everything. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. You'll see everything. I'm sure. But there were times where me and my buddy were going and getting paid a thousand bucks an hour to just be in a room and yeah. just pass plates around. Yeah. Right. And it was more because it's like people knew that we were. Right. Confidential. Right, right, right. So, how did so how did you go from that to partying and doing these exclusive events? Yeah, yeah. To ultimately saying, I want to start my own business. Yeah, bro. So. And I, that's also like a that's also sorry that's also such a interesting idea the business that you chose. Yeah. Because you saw your mom struggle with that particular well, bro, business for so long. I well, this is why I, I hated the idea of it. Yeah. But then when I got the, the biggest thing was that your mom probably thought you was crazy. Yeah, well, the biggest thing was when I left finance. Oh, well, yeah. Right? Yeah. I went into bartending. It wasn't like I went into anything, like, crazy, but it paid. Bro, I remember I was still in school. What is, what, it wasn't exactly what your mom dreamed of. Yeah, you. but I guess I was paying the bills. Yeah. I was, I had my, we had our apartment here in the city with my boy. Like, we, I, I was taking her out to dinner all the time, doing the things. Right, right. Like, I was out earning her, and she had a restaurant. Right, right. Right? That wasn't, again, had all the potential, just wasn't doing well, I think. But, sorry, I said all to say, I started doing these high-end events doing that, and I learned what high-end service looks like. Mm. And more than anything, I learned what high-income people like mm. in that space. Okay. And so, um, I remember there was a moment when I was like 24, 25, but I remember looking at myself in the mirror and being like, after one of those, it, the culture very much was, you work mm -hmm. all night, we get home at three. I had meetings, because at that point I'm more involved in, in the actual company itself. Mm -hmm. So you have meetings with prospective customers, clients, uh, people that you're gonna do events for. So you have meetings in the morning with them. You're doing wine tastings, so you start drinking yeah. already <laughs> the day. You have maybe a little pocket of stuff to do paperwork, sure. and then you go out to the party. And by that point, like I wasn't so much serving, I was more of a captain, so you go there to really monitor the parties, and then you get lit. <laughs> Whether the company, shout out the company, I don't know if they know that we were getting lit like that, but at that time we were all getting lit. Yeah. 
like there was a group of like five or six like really like the guys that were really good at it we'd just get lit and then get home late and then start that whole cycle over again mm -hmm. so i remember one one day i got home and i was like this is i don't know if this is who i want to be like as a person right not as an earner or as a work or as a job i was like i don't know if this is who i want to be like i felt burnt out i obviously was having a great time but like i just i felt so incomplete like I was making six figures at 22 and doing all that stuff, literally partying. <laughs> but I literally was just like, I don't know if this is who I want to be as a person. Who did you want to be? I still still didn't know, <laughs> but I knew that it wasn't. And again, it was that faith. It was always like my faith was always trying to call me back. Like there was always, God was always there to be like, hey, like you are, this is not who you're supposed to be. Mm. Like this is like earning money and having fun is not your purpose. Right, right, right. And what was interesting was my mom had this restaurant. Yeah. Right, up upstate. And I remember I went into the, the office and I was having a conversation with one of the one of the guys that, that ran the events company and we were talking about I was like, hey, we'd love to have a more like permanent role, because all of it was technically freelance. Mm. So I'd love to have more permanent role, and we kind of talked about it, and he offered me like a, a much more permanent kind of gig. And when I saw what the amount that they were offering me was, it was like the most money that I had seen as, as an adult, like sure. conceivably that I could make. But that exact moment, it was the same thought that I had. I was like, if this guy thinks that I'm worth this amount, I should go and build it with myself, with like my family. Because at that point I knew service and I knew how to serve, I knew what people liked. Like you have all the tools, so I said, and this was the main point, I knew that my mom's product, like I knew the food, mm -hmm. at its core, delicious bro. Yeah. There was not a bad review you could find about the food. Yeah. There was not really a bad review you could find about anything, but at that time, everything else around it wasn't quite what the demographic in that area needed. Okay. If we were gonna really, if she was gonna sell what she was selling, it needed to be something more elevated and more modern, mm -hmm. and it needed to be served well. It needed to have all those details, and that's when I was like, I think that I can go back home and take what I've learned here, and we can make it work. So I ended up not taking that offer. I went to my mom. We had some like personal stuff happen with like some friends and some stuff sure. that also was a big reckoning just on my character as a man at that moment. Like what I, was, what I was willing to do or not do in just like the vein of having fun and for women and whatever. Yeah. And so that was a big wake up call for me is like what kind of character do I have as a person right now? So I went back home and that's when I took the money that I had saved up working all these years and events and we just put it into the restaurant. We put it in, I remember, bro, I spent that first week painting, like, it wasn't a ton of money. So all that money went into, like, some new equipment, new dishware, new silverware, new this, new that. But, like, all the other stuff, bro, we were upholstering, we were painting, we were moving, we were doing everything. And so that's kind of, that's how I, I start now this kind of journey of, like, having stake in uh, or the family business. And so we go back or I go back home to Westchester. I'm there for about three years. Mm -hmm. And we skyrocket, man. We go from doing 60,000 in sales. So at the, current, at the current restaurant, at the current restaurant what you did was elevate what was already there existing. Yeah. yeah. The menu, the, menu, the look, not, not even things. the menu, bro. Just the look. The look, the interior, 
our service, the way we played it, all the other things, bro. That wasn't the product. Yeah. All the branding aspects of it, all of that I changed. Interesting. Based on what you saw over there. Because Westchester is yeah, yeah. a certain type and, of market. Yeah, yeah, and Portchester, where the town that it was at, I think it's just also knowing this like really cool part about like being real about the demographics that you're dealing sure. with. Yeah. Portchester was the only predominantly Hispanic town still that was underdeveloped. It nestled in between some of the richest towns in the country. Mm-hmm. Right? You have Greenwich, Portchester's a town right before Greenwich, you have Rye, you have Larchmont. Uh, you have Harrison, you have all these high earners. And so people were coming to Portchester to eat. Mm-hmm. They just weren't coming to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do we get these people here? I didn't really care about the existing demographic. Like, I think that was the biggest caution where everybody was like, oh, well, you're going to lose, like, the customers from the community. I'm like, they're going to come and pay the price point if it's good food. And honestly, I don't want to base it on the people that want to eat, want the deal. I don't want that. I don't want the people that are coming for the $13 lunch every day and we'll complain about portion size and we'll do all that. No, I want the people that can afford to eat a good product. How do you think you were received though? Because um, I would, outside perspective yeah. looking in as you share the story, disruptive, yeah. change maker, yeah. all of those sort of things that make people uncomfortable. Sure, I'd like to say that Porchester's going through- Well, not the restaurant as a whole, yes. I mean like you as a Same leader. As yeah. a leader within the, you know what I well, mean? Well, I think within the restaurant, I think obviously because my mom was on board and because of the financial strain that Santa Fe had at the moment, mm-hmm. like I was very much like, here, we're going to bring this money in. I'm going to yeah. put this money on it. Yeah. And she wasn't, there was definitely some struggles, but what overcame, or what overcame the skepticism was the results. Mm. Right. right. You were like, yo, let, let's try this if it works. Yeah, and I, said, it, and, and the, and I was like, the worst thing that happens is that we put a new coat of paint, you have new plates, right. you're doing all this stuff, and if it doesn't work, well, then you just have all this new stuff. I mean, the identity of the, of the restaurant definitely changed yeah. from being like, oh, definitely this like cozy little mom and pop shop to being like, oh, this is actually like a restaurant. Mm, that's really interesting. But I think even in the grand scheme of things, man, I think that there were probably other people in the community that were like, oh, this dude is like almost like gentrifying yeah, us right. or his own culture. Right. And my own thing was like, if we don't do it, and this is what's happening in Porchester now, businesses are getting cleared out, and they're not, they, this is now such a big picture thing, but you'll see first, first generation businesses be parent owned, mm-hmm. but they don't take that next step until the kids come in and bring their, whether it's their education, their insight, their knowledge on branding, their knowledge on marketing, their right. knowledge on all this, like, you don't really see it take that next step. You'll right. see that across the board. And it may be so, someone not from the culture. But it, it might be somebody not from the culture. But, like, even, in, and this is whatever, this is just a note now. In Portchester, man, these places are getting cleared out. And you know what they didn't have? They didn't have financial planning. They didn't have all these things. So why would I listen to the criticism of people? No one that's really critiquing you on wanting to do better or be excellent or make the changes that are future focused, really care about you. They're just ego driven, they care about tradition. Yeah. I wanna keep the base of Colum- Like that was always my thing. When you went to Santa Fe, you were eating homemade, everything we made in house. Mm-hmm. So you were eating real good Colombian food. It wasn't processed, it was not, it was just served and packaged differently. Yeah. That was it. And so for me, I was like, if we went from 60K annual to almost a million in a year in sales, yeah. because we made these changes, I care about that 
and letting people know that, hey, you're stepping into a place that's owned by a mom and son who are immigrants, right. that we hire immigrants, right. that we're teaching these people English, right. that we're helping people out with financial literacy, that we want their kids to aspire to go to college, that we want all of these things. For me, it was more about changing the culture of all this poverty mindset that sometimes we operate in, or just the, I think the biggest generation between a first generation immigrant and somebody like myself, who I mean, I am first generation, but I grew up here, is that we don't just think about survival, we think about flourishing. Yes. Like my mom wanted yeah. to survive. Yeah. Like her prayers on the floors of cleaning houses was, I want to survive long enough for my kid to have these opportunities. Mm -hmm. Her prayer when she was praying at Santa Fe where every time that we thought we were going to close yeah. was not flourish. Yeah. It was help me survive these times long enough yeah. So this kid can have these opportunities. And I think that is kind of the biggest difference. And that, I think, is also the biggest mind shift change that she's had in her later life that make us compatible as working people is that now it's not about, I mean, sometimes it is some, it's, it's about sure. survival. Yeah, yeah. Like, not as only a year and a half old, and there are moments where I look at the books and I'm like, we need to survive this quarter, right? Whether sales are amazing or whether or not, I'm like, if we're going to make it to the next step and, be, and we self-funded, like, we need to survive some of these things. So I think that ability to have that survival and that work ethic paired with all the other extra things, that's what's made us kind of be able to, to change. Yeah. But even Santa Fe, like, yeah. Uh, bro, within a year, we were reviewed by the New York Times. We took over the space next door of ours. We expanded. Yeah. Like, we grew that. And then... And then the opposite of that would have just been what people, some people want is just like... Not, stay the same, man. Yeah, stay the same. Keep doing the same things. Like, yeah. And I think that is, that, that's one of my bigger things with like, and seeing, getting to meet and encounter so many cool new like creators, like immigrant creators, people of color that are creators, people that come from places of, of suffering, people that come from places of sacrifice, people that come from places of survival, yeah. to see what they're creating now that's so innately rooted in our culture, yeah. but is really exposing in a way that's so excellent yeah. And not in the, hey, I'm just doing this in the most survival way. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is something that we want to really show and exhibit in communities and to people that don't know us and don't know the vibrancy and don't know the beauty and don't know the flavors and don't know all this stuff. Yeah. I'm more of like, that is what we should do. Yeah. Then listen to the people that are going to criticize, oh, this isn't the culture. Yeah. Esto no es lo tradicional. Esto no es lo que se hace. I'm like, maybe it's not lo que se hace, but it's lo que se va a hacer. Because we, we owe it to ourselves to, like, my biggest thing was, I want to be an inspiration to, like, the kid that grew up with a single mom. Yeah. And, like, thinks, like, this is my life. Yeah. But it's like, it's not. It's not. They work too hard for it to be, esto es lo que se hace. People have, people have worked too hard. The generations before us, our parents, we can say whatever we want about their abilities or whatnot or their capabilities or their emotional, but like they worked too hard and they gave up too much for me to be like, voy a seguir haciendo lo mismo. Right. Mijen, that wraps up this week's episode of the Can't Do It As Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please do us a favor wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, etc., please be sure to leave us a rating and review. It's just going to help ensure that these stories and experiences get heard by as many people as possible, because that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next time.